This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Green. As always, we are bringing you the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And Michael, it's good to have you as always uh, for our podcast today. Thank you. You too, Tim. Looking forward to picking your brain. We've got a question from one of our readers, or one of our readers, one of our listeners, and uh, it's a really good one on uh, expectations for early childhood and what we should expect, especially as in terms of students. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But speaking of students, Michael, you've got this great event coming up this week, and it's the Green Summer Institute. Tell us about it and how people can get involved. Yes. Uh, so you can get involved by going to wonderofparenting.com, and you're going to see a banner right there that says Summer Institute. You can click that. It'll take you to the web page. So this is, Tim is speaking at this. I am speaking at this. This is on, on Zoom. It's a virtual summit. So you have th- uh, two weeks to watch everything. Uh, and if you want to come on the weekend of, of January, of uh, sorry, June 25th, 26th, uh, this weekend, you can do that too, right? Some of the events, most of the events will be live via Zoom, but it's some pre-recorded, everything available for the whole two weeks. And so you're, we're talking about some of the best speakers you're going to see anywhere uh, doing really fun, but also deep strategic work on how boys and girls learn, how boys and girls grow, what they need, uh, what's happening in post-COVID, what's happening with, you know, how can we help our kids through trauma? How can I help our kids be resilient? Um, so it's the Gurian Summer Institute. It's our 25th, I believe now, and we do it every year. Uh, so, uh, and Tim is actually one of the co-sponsors of it too. So, so just how go to wonderparenting.com. Wonder, is it on wonderparenting.com yeah, or Gurian There's Institute? a banner okay. right there on wonderparenting.com. I saw it at the top. I checked Very and good. it takes you to the Gurian Institute. Excellent. So wonderparenting.com, Summer Institute coming up. Yep. And uh, again, everything is online. So if people can't be here in Phoenix, they can still watch it. And the, the beauty of online is you can watch all of it because there's so many different workshops. So you can really take in a lot of information. Um, we also want to thank, as always, Greg Jantz and the great folks up there in the Seattle area, the Center of Place of Hope. And uh, they do a lot of work with people who are in crisis, uh, people who are struggling with certain emotional or mental or physical uh challenges, and they would love to be a part of your life and bringing healing to you. So if you'd like to check them out, just go to wonderparenting.com, wonderparenting.com. Also want to encourage you to head over to our Facebook group, and that's um, Facebook, and then you just do a quick search of Wonder Parenting. We have uh, added wow, 30 or 40 people just in the last few weeks, and um, so many really good questions, a chance for you as parents to interact with each other. And so I encourage you to go there, join, just hit the join button. I'll let you in as soon as I get the notification. And uh, we pull some of our questions from there as well, which we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks. But this one was written to us through the wonderofparenting.com website. And here is the, uh, the question. Hello, Michael and Tim. I am an early childhood prevention specialist and am an avid listener of your podcast. 
There is such a wealth of wisdom here, and I'm a little obsessed. Well, we we thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> and Michael also does things on obsessions, so we can work on that <laughs> at some point, too. Uh, I work in my community with families and preschools assessing strengths and needs, providing behavioral health interventions, and setting up appropriate resources. My job exists to provide early intervention to keep children out of clinical services if possible. Such important work. Thank you for that. I found recently that a lot of behaviors seem to be due to boredom in the preschool classroom. I wonder if some kiddos should have gone to kindergarten or just struggled to thrive in a classroom setting. I try to reframe with teachers and administrators how little boys' brains are different from little girls and need appropriate expectations. However, there are some little girls that I run into that struggle even more than boys. I'm not sure if it is due to boredom, but I have my suspicions. I guess my question would be, how can we tell or assess boredom in early childhood setting? What are some strategies that I can work with teachers on? on uh, what are some strategies that I can work with teachers on to find balance for their students? And also, could you share some developmentally appropriate expectations for four to five years regarding education and social skills? Um, this is so interesting because when you and I were kids back in the uh, the last part of the last century. So that tells you how old we are. Um, when we had, if people went to preschool at all, in uh, they were kids that are our age, uh, it was really an anomaly. It wasn't, it wasn't normal. Um, I remember the girl next door to us went to nursery school, whatever that was. And we wondered what was wrong with her. There was nothing wrong <laughs> with her, right? She was just going to school early, but we've reached a point now where the expectations that were on us for kindergartners and first graders are now almost expectations put onto preschoolers. And there are some things that my grandkids needed to know in first grade that I was learning in first and second grade when I was a kid. So things have really changed a lot. And I know you've talked a lot about this. So I'm really curious uh, about this question and what you're going to have to say to us about preschool kids' expectations because it's such an important part of the fabric of our parenting these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking with this question, so it's really a huge question. Um, yep. Like we do one and two year pilots in Head Start preschools, right? To answer this question for a year and two, and we and you and I have 25 minutes. So um, I thought what I would do is talk generally about what's going on with preschool that kind of connects with her points. And then I would answer the three questions. Um, so just for like two or three minutes, uh, yes, we, uh, you know, our preschools, so we work a lot in Head Start, the Head Start framework, right? So we understand that really well. And Head Start started um, around 19, mid-1970s. And for folks who don't know, Head Start is a federal program whereby kids, you know, there's a lot of support for them to go to preschool. And, and overall, the data is really good about preschool. Like preschool is a really good thing. And um, it's like very good, especially for kids who, let's say their parents aren't reading to them at home. Let's say their parents mm -hmm. aren't, you know, they're working and they're very busy and they're not really engaging them at home in things that uh, would help them help their cognitively to develop, et cetera. Um, so then that's another place where it's good. It's really good for kids raised in poverty. Um, uh, and then it's just overall good for any any child, right? Of course, every parent has to decide if it's a fit for their child, but it's overall can be really, really good. Um, I think the issue, uh, probably the biggest issue I have with preschools right now is that the teachers aren't trained in um, male and female brain. 
So they're not, so about 80 to 90% of the issues they have are with boys. They don't understand what the boys are doing behaviorally. They don't understand how the boys are kind of being aggressive, but is that loving or not loving? And do I have to keep punishing them? And, you know, and then since they aren't trained in male, female brain difference, they're not trained in the fact that boys have about a year to year and a half slower uh, brain development tempo than girls do. And that's a, that's mainly true in anything, any area having to do with literacy. So word production, reading, et cetera. There are certain gross motor areas in which boys are ahead of girls, uh, but girls are ahead in fine motor. And so in most of what's going to happen in preschool, um, uh, we have a larger issue for boys and all the teachers say it. I mean, you know, there's not a teacher out there or an intervention specialist who doesn't say, yep, it's mainly the boys. We, we don't understand. We need training. So the big point I would make, and then I'm going to filter it down to what she's talking about, is if we if if she is working with preschools in which the teachers and the staff have not gone through any training um, in how boys and girls learn differently and grow differently, then um, it's very probable that a number of those kids are not being fully served, even though the teachers are wonderful people. But but they they there's just not enough education for them and enough training for them. Um, to to be able to nuance the learning and the environment. So, for instance, when they're not trained, and this can lead to some of the boredom, you have they have really small spaces. So they've got twenty right. kids packed into a really small space, and let's just say there are ten boys and ten girls, just to talk about it. Um, there's going to be four of those boys for whom that small space right there is is not going to work for the way their brains work. Um, but the teachers don't know it. The school doesn't know it they don't realize they have to create more space and have more objects to move around in space and these sorts of things. So, um, so the big overarching thing I would say, and then I, and then I want to hear from you and then I'll get to the question. The overarching thing is uh, these questions she's asking are actually going to end up being solved in all of those preschools by intensive professional development and training uh, f- for all of these teachers so that their teacher quality and then the environment, the quality of the environment adjusts uh, to the boys and girls. And then a lot of the boredom will be taken care of. But so far, does that make sense? Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So obviously I don't know yet how you're going to answer these three questions, so I may be jumping ahead a bit, but uh, give us a little sense. I know that boys' brain development in terms of reading can be a year, year and a half behind Mm -hmm. a girl's, and that lasts about how long? 
Well, throughout life, I mean, males are okay. behind females throughout life. Females produce more words, read more word, words, you know, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, by, you know, by high school, uh, kind of high school age into college age, uh, there's a pretty much a catch up, but males will still probably spend less time in their lifespan uh, with words. If you include reading, writing, and speaking. So part of the challenge of preschools, especially academic based preschools is if they're trying to teach boys to read uh, and their brains are developmentally a year and a half to two years behind a girl's brain in preschool, that's going to create some challenge immediately for those boys. That's one of the biggest things is uh, yes, we, and some of this is an American thing about reading. Um, A lot of European countries, you know, they know this, They, they, they know male, female brain difference and the preschools do. And so they don't, they don't push reading and they coach the parents not to push reading uh, until later, you know, like six. And, and people, you know, people may say, well, why why not push reading? I mean, you know, kid is four, why not push it? The reason is that you don't want the boredom and the failure of this Mm -hmm. kid because his brain, a lot of, you know, some boys, I started reading at four. I'm really, really, I have really well-developed cognitive areas for gray matter areas for word production, but right. But I'm in the one in five exception. So four out of five boys, this is not going to happen for them at four. And um, whereas it will happen for most girls, they'll start, you know, building vocabulary, et cetera. So we need to, that's one of the biggest things we have to teach everyone in that environment. Uh, And we have to teach the parents so that the parents don't pressure the preschools, right, to be forcing the reading. Since the boy's brain by between five and six is going to close a lot of those synapses and be able to do that. It's really better to be like Finland, Sweden, and these places where they don't even push it until around six. But we should be reading to the kids. I mean, definitely yeah. in that preschool, we want that um, we we want that reading time. Let's say it's an hour, uh, broken up a couple times during the day, uh, where the teacher's reading. And and one of the biggest strategies I can give is let the boys roll around the floor while the teacher's reading. They don't have to sit still in story time uh, or circle time. Uh, some of them, not all, but of that 10, there'll be like four who will need to roll around, who who will hear the story and comprehend the story better if they're rolling around rather than right. being forced to sit still and becoming a discipline problem. And guess what? Appearing bored um, because they that's not how their bodies are set up at four. Their cerebellum's too active. They have to roll around. So. Um, uh, so that's what happens with the training. Like this, like she's saying, you know, I've been telling them there are these boy girl differences and it's really good of her to keep telling the teachers this, but unless they go through intensive training, they don't, you know, it's very hard to get by someone just right. saying this to them. But once they do it's, go through the training, then that suddenly there's a liberation for a lot of the kids, especially the it, boys. It's got to seem so counterintuitive for most uh, young teachers, most of whom are female to understand that boys are going to comprehend the story more if they're rolling around or throwing an object through the air than if they just sit quietly because that that is not the way that girls tend to process stories they tend to sit quietly and engage with the story that way so so this whole thing is so important and also i think for parents let's just say to parents there is a lot of pressure in some of these preschools not all to get boys reading by the time they're three, four years old. And there may be many parents who are just pulling their hair out because their boys, A, don't want to read and B, can't read at that age. And they maybe shouldn't be panicking about it. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they now have heard this podcast. They can, you know, hopefully talk to the teachers there and, and, and get a book like boys and girls learn differently, show it to the mm-hmm. teachers, see if there's budget for the teachers to get training. Like we talked about the summer Institute, right? I mean, uh, that's coming up. We have an early childhood track in the summer Institute. There are five, six workshops just for people who have kids in the early childhood category and then teachers and they grow from our Head Start pilots and, and those teachers and staff who are doing those trainings are people who went through the training and altered the environment, um, you know, altered those, those environments, uh, those early childhood classrooms and the expectations and everything to accommodate the brain. And, um, and so it's kind of a, this is a perfect question for, for today with the summer Institute coming up and that early childhood track, once everyone like gets that learning, you know, gets that knowledge, then the teachers and the parents will, will back off, uh, and, and, they'll feel liberated and they'll back off from forcing kids to, to read. They'll keep reading to them and the parents should keep mm-hmm. reading to them, but they'll back off from it. And then when their kids are five, six, the kids who are not reading at three or four, when their kids are five, six, and they see how they grab reading so fast, right. And they didn't have to go through the failure stuff at three and four, the parents are also liberated and feel a lot better. Yeah. yeah. So I, I know we want to get to the questions, but I, I have one more for you. Go big, big picture. Talk a bit about the difference between an academic-based preschool and more of a free play preschool. And those are kind of just stark differences. I know there's a lot in between, but where are you with preschools and what they should be doing uh, for the sake of boys and girls? Well, to me, um, it's for, I will, I will answer that. But for me, the overarching thing is teacher quality and then environment, environmental quality. So it's really about because whatever the preschool has decided to do with the kids, if the teacher quality is there, the environmental quality is there, and it's developmentally appropriate, uh, it sh- you know it should work for most kids. Um, so that's the overarching. But but yes, at the same time, if if preschools are going too far into academics, uh, you know, then I think parents you know need to just look at that because mm-hmm. at three and four years old, play is learning, right? Lego play is learning, block building is learning, relating and socializing with each other in the preschool, that 10 or 20 kids relating and socializing with each other and playing with each other. All of that is learning. And um, and that's the most important stuff. And so some academics are fine, uh, but, but uh, always remember that at three and four years old, we need to balance. We need to right. make sure that that the big stuff they're getting is the relational, the socialization, the play, and, uh, you know, important play, not just maybe random, but but play. And then if they need nap time and those sorts of things, those are really more important than them trying to master a language at three or master a language at four. So I would lean, I'm in middle of the road, you know, I would lean toward middle of the road, let's have play, let's have some cognitive. Um, uh, and, and like Head Start has a really good model for that. They have a lot of play, they have a lot of uh, but they also have cognitive. Um, uh, so I, I would lean in the middle. Uh, and I would just say again, though, that wherever the preschool is, whether it's highly academic or it's, you know, like a Waldorf, which is mainly nature and, and play, let's say, or a Montessori, which is leaning more towards self-motivation. You know, they all have their their wonderful things. If the teacher quality isn't there and the teachers aren't trained, then going to lose some girls, like she says, some girls, but going to lose a lot of boys. Right. 
Yeah, years ago when I was just starting out as a pastor, our church had a preschool. And uh, one day a guy came in to interview our preschool staff. And uh, the reason why he was interviewing them was because he knew that preschool, this was for him now, preschool was an important part of building the Vita for his child to get into Stanford. And I thought, oh boy, that's a lot of pressure to put onto a kid and onto a preschool. So this is why you're, what you're talking about developmental stuff is so very, very important for our kids um, to help them grow as they're ready to grow. So with that said, question number one, she gave us talk about those three questions. Yep. So the first one is how do we tell or assess boredom? So um, she, of course, if she has access to class or teaching strategies, goals, or some of those basic things, then, then she as a professional has ways of doing that uh, for, for people who aren't, aren't, you know, don't work for early childhood. What, what you all can do, what parents can do if they're going in and visiting the preschool is look for disengagement. You know, if your child is in that preschool and your child is disengaged, um, uh, just kind of, you know, z- zoning out or not really connecting, um, might even be sort of physically isolating is like, in another part of the room is not really a part of, of the group. Um, that's one way. And then you watch that and you just kind of look at it and say, okay, like other people are trying to do these things. My kid isn't doing those things. Is my kid bored uh, by those things? Right. Cause my kid has already figured all that out or, you know, or is it something else going on? And then it, it may be that this child is bored. Um, another way to assess it is to look at behavior. So if the child is, you know, getting in trouble a lot and doesn't have sort of, you know, any kind of disorder, let's say, but it's just in this environment, this child keeps getting in trouble. Um, it could well be that, you know, there could be reasons for that, but it could well be that one of them is the child is bored and right, the child acts out and tries to get attention and this kind of thing. And uh, so the caregivers and the teachers need to give this child more stimulation. Uh, so that would be another way for parents to look at it. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. So that's so question that, one. Okay. Question one, right. Uh, and then the next one was, what are some strategies that I can work with teachers on to find that balance for their students? That's a great question. We've been sort of talking about it, so let's get specific. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a few. Uh, you know, and there, there are hundreds, by the way, um, but I'll give a few. One is what I said about letting the kids roll around. So so use that as also a metaphor for, for uh, kind of altering your vision of your classroom and, and seeing what is it that the boys need? What is it that the girls need? And rolling around could be one of them. Another one of them could be, um, okay, I'm reading and talking 
to this group for 20 minutes. And let's say 10 of it is me talking. I'm the teacher. And then I'm reading another 20 minutes. Okay. So uh, here's a strategy. I'm going to only talk for two minutes to mm-hmm. give the instructions on something. And then they're going to be active and do it, play with the Legos, with the blocks, you know, the number, the number beads, the counting beads, et cetera. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, I'm going to talk again for two minutes. So I'm not going to be a long talker because I'm going to, they're, I'm going to lose a few of them. They're going to zone out. Um, and then, and same with, with reading now, reading the ability to read to kids strategically should go up more if we let everyone do what they need to do, like roll around while they're reading. But if we're reading for too long, um, mm-hmm. it's just too hard on them. You know, they're so little. So, um, uh, we need to change that. We need to get each of them engaged in pointing to objects in the picture book, not just two or three of the kids engaged in the circle, but all 20 you know, okay, that's going to stimulate them, right? That gives them a role. Mm. Uh, and then we have a new picture book and they each have a role. So uh, another strategy would be, okay, especially if I'm reading for a long time, get them engaged in it. A third strategy is um, uh, just always give them something to do. Um, the teacher's at one end of the room, let's say, and needs a pencil or a crayon or something, you know, have a kid, one of the kids go over there, especially one of them we think is bored. Um, have that child go over there and get the pencil for us. So they always have a role. They always have a job. They're always moving. They're always doing something. Um, and they just can't sit around and be bored. Uh, right. They're in a community where they're always active. So so those are a few. And I will say that that there literally are hundreds of these strategies. Boys and Girls on Differently has them. Our Green Institute Summer Institute has them. Our pilots have them. They're, and the interesting is once the teachers are trained in it, the teachers apply them. And... Um, it's less work for them. <laughs> that's what's so interesting is they come in, right. some of them come in saying, oh my gosh, I got to learn this stuff. You know, that's more work for me. But actually after just going through these programs and, and getting all this down and starting to employ them, they have far fewer behavioral issues, boredom issues, et cetera, in the classroom. And so the the whole teaching experience, the whole preschool experience gets easier. Right. And I, I think earlier I said it it's somewhat counterintuitive, especially for female teachers to imagine that boys learn better if they're moving. And yet, once you start to build in these kinds of strategies, they actually become intuitive. They start to make sense. You're working with three to five-year-olds. Of course, they're not going to sit quietly and listen to pontificating and teaching and and all of that kind of stuff. And, And then it just, oh, of course, that makes sense. And why don't you say something, too, about how when we make something a bit more uh, tailored to boys that the girls fall into that just as easily that that works for them as well. Yeah, that's so so true. Um, excuse me when, because, you know, because the issues we're having in most of these environments are mainly with boys, we make the alterations to try to get parity for the boys and, and we're doing things that the, female brain. And if no, if everyone's walking into this podcast, never having listened to any of our others, then you won't recognize this male bearing female brain stuff. So maybe go into the, some of the evergreens or get some of my books, you know, the male and the female brain are set up so differently and the female brain, more frontal lobe activity at the baseline, more white matter activity than the male. And so these, that's a brain that more easily adapts, um, to these subtle changes in environmental quality and teacher quality, et cetera. And, and so that, that brain, 
you know, it can roll around on the floor if it wants. And there's going to be a few of those girls that are going to be going, wow, yeah, I am definitely comprehending better. That's mainly going to be a boy thing, but because of the brain, but the, you know, but her brain's so adaptable and, and uh, she's already doing more with reading, et cetera. And then, and then what she needs is more kinesthetic, you know, she needs more gross motor. I mean, we're always saying that for the little girl brains, we want them to be good at STEM later. We need to start them really early. And uh, so as we do more things that are gross motor and, and, um, uh, kinesthetic and so on to keep the boys stimulated. It's great for the girls. So there's really nothing here that would be bad for the girls. E- even the aggression nurturance that we've talked about, and that's one of the big things that the teachers and the parents love in learning about um, preschool kids is that boys are bonding through aggression, not violence, mm-hmm. but through aggression. And 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 initially counterintuitive, the teacher doesn't want the aggression, but then especially if she has sons. She gets it. She goes, oh, that's what that is. That's aggression nurturance. That's building resilience. That's really good. Well, then the girls actually get into it. And it's really good for the girls to build the resilience. And um, so, yes, the change. there are no changes I can think of. I mean, unless someone takes something to an extreme that right. are harmful to the girls. Right. And then the last question, and we talked a little bit about this, but what are some developmentally appropriate expectations for four to five-year-old kids regarding education and social skills. And this is good for our parents to understand as well. Again, we're talking about four to five-year-old children. So what are some things that we should expect of them if they're in a preschool environment? Well, the first thing, excuse me, the first thing is that every one of those kids is unique. I mean, we cannot say this enough, that every one of those kids is unique and that, that um, we, we ought to find and, 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 uh, you know, should find, or I hope will find the ways in which our child is uniquely developing already. And then the ways in which our child is uniquely not. Uh, but because our child may not be fitting what someone is saying, the child should be at four. Um, we, we first want to see what our child is actually doing really well already at four. You know, so look at the child's strengths developmentally. Okay. Then secondly, we see, okay, where are, where is the child not having assets right now? Where is what's slow? And like the reading we talked about is a typical one where the boys may be slower there. Vocabulary development, long sentences, complex sentences, slower. So the second thing we do is we, we, we assess each one of our expectations and the expectations that are being put on our child. We assess those and say, are those developmentally appropriate? Um, and, and we can do that by sort of being citizen scientists and looking around at 20 other boys, you know, it, I'm talking about the parents here, looking around at 20 other boys and seeing, huh, well, where are they? Oh, okay, our son is, is right in line with them. Or, okay, no, our son is not. And similarly, our daughter. So then we're, we target that. And um, because, because it is kind of incorrect that there is one developmental schema that works for all four-year-olds, right? Right, Because the human brain is so complex and because each of these brains is developing uniquely. So yes, there are baselines, but um, I first want to say these things about uniqueness. And then in terms of the baseline, um, uh, it is developmentally appropriate with good mentoring. It's developmentally appropriate for children to be able to socialize with each other, you know, um, without causing each other harm. That is developmentally appropriate, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if they're causing harm, then they need help. Um, uh, it's also developmentally appropriate for them 
to be pushing a little, shoving a little, tackling each other, wrestling, uh, all of that's developmentally appropriate. Um, it's also developmentally appropriate for some kids to say, I don't like that. You know, that's not for me. That's right. too rough for me. Okay. That's also developmentally appropriate. And, and then we try to bring them into that or we, and, or we protect them from that. Um, and then cognitively it's, it is developmentally appropriate for that brain to be curious at four and to be trying to learn things, you know, at four, to keep trying to learn new things. That's what's developmentally appropriate. That it has to do a certain thing by four, I would say is generally not, you know, not developmentally appropriate. Um, and then last thing I'll say is that professionals like her who wrote this, she has access to, um, you know, to the schema that help parents to know if their child has a developmental disability, right? Right. Or a developmental impairment. And that would be in a separate category from what we're talking about here. That, that would be clear to, to a professional to say, okay, that's, you know, and if the parents feel like the professional is saying something wrong, like if the parents say, no, but wait a minute, you're saying that's not developmentally appropriate, but I'm seeing these 10 other kids and they're kind of the same way, you know, then we can challenge that. But usually the professionals have good schema for the disabilities. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned at the beginning, this is a really big topic. And there are resources out there. Um, you mentioned your book, Boys and Girls Learn Differently, which is a great resource, mm -hmm. by the way, for, anyone, uh, yep. for parents to just buy and read that and then maybe hand it off to the teacher. Uh, we've done that as a church. We've bought copies of that for the teachers who go to our church and just handed them out and said, boy, we, we think that this is really going to be helpful for you. And they write back and say it really has been helpful. Of course, the Green Institute coming up. Uh, wonderofparenting.com. So a lot of resources out there for parents and educators on these topics and really encourage them to take advantage of all of those. Yes, please do. Please do. Cause they are there and the solutions are there. Right. So we're going to be back with you again next time. And I uh, want to encourage you in the meantime to uh, go to wonderofparenting.com. There's a place where you can submit your questions to us. You can go to our Facebook page where we've got uh, a lot of different parents on there, over a thousand parents like you who care about these issues and they're sharing insight with each other and wisdom. And, uh, and if you've got some friends who are parents, uh, put them on to the uh, Wonder of Parenting podcast. We'd love to have them be a part. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Thanks. everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll be with you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.